Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it called the 320 Club? I don't even know anymore. It's like midnight because uh, 420 was already taken and happy hour is happening somewhere else. Okay, I won't even bother with an intro. Let's just get right to it. This episode is called A Few Bad Apples. My hair is an atrocity, but I get it cut tomorrow. My barber's open. Oh, that's right. Yes. Uh, Quebec's Quebec. like, yeah, we got the most cases, but fuck it. Yeah, Quebec <laughs> get a decided to open shady. it up for haircutting. Oh my You're going to flashback crazy. from the 80s. You look like a, a brunette Walt, Molly Ringwald. <laughs> I wasn't even born in the 80s. I really? know. Fuck, I'm old. Yeah, I feel real old now. Okay. God, it's crazy. <clears throat> uh... I'm having issues here. Oh, there we go. I don't know what the problem is. Give me uh, two seconds. I'll be right back. I forgot one thing. Hoi, hoi. Your microphone's not working. Oh, yeah. I go on mute. Because when on the last podcast, I could hear like my breathing, I think, because I've got a radio mic thing. But, um, uh-huh. yeah, my parents' dogs are with me. It's just cute. They're just run, running around. Have you seen oh. that like little water dog thing that you're always playing with? No, I haven't seen it since March. They messaged me though. As soon as I come back, I can play with it. But yeah, but I'm going. Dora, come here. Come here. What's this? Yeah. Oh, good girl. She's so cute. It's a floof. It is a floof. But the other one's a really cool rescue dog. She's really cool. But this one's a floof. So. A loads of people in Canada getting cockapoos. Getting what? They're called cockapoos. I've never heard of a cockapoo. It's a mix between a cocker spaniel and a poodle. I don't know so much that. I know a lot of people get labradoodles. Yeah, it's they're a similar. Like hypoallergenic. But like it, it seems to be Britain, like you're only allowed three breeds of dogs, right? Black lab or a cocker spaniel or that a other type of retired greyhound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you can only have a greyhound if you're from Yorkshire. You have to wear well, the we, flat cap. We had re- rescue ones. Yeah. My buddy had a whippet for a while. That thing was fucking hilarious because he had a tiny little apartment in downtown Ottawa. So he'd spend like three hours a day at the dog park with it. But even then, it would run along like the back surface of the couch in a circle. Like, just like, you know. <laughs> Those things are bred for running, man. They're, uh,. They're pretty fast. We got a she's a German Shepherd lab mix, but she's um she's got a little bit of whippet in her, so she's got that it looks like it kind of looks like a greyhound for people who don't know. And um so she's got that deep chest, so she's basically built for running. Oh, there's a track near where I grew up and we always had like rescue greyhounds because they're quite good if you work because they don't need too much walking. And we looked up their racing history because they have tattoos in their ears. One of them didn't race and the other one got disqualified and we found the race online and basically all the other dogs ran and he just like walked out and then looked around, jumped over the barrier and was just strolling around in the middle. (laughs) Couldn't be bothered to run. Terrible. Couldn't be bothered. No. Okay, uh, so we are uh, okay. It's the sixth of June. Um, it's we're actually recording early earlier than we normally do. 
Um, and already I've started day drinking. What are you guys having? I've got I got homebrew going on this time. Changing it up. I've got a Glen Marais 12. Ooh. So I ran out of gin again. Um, in honor... <laughs> <laughs> so in honor i found some canadian ice wine that cognac brought with him when he visited me so i'm enjoying that Ooh, it's actually really nice i quite like it but i think it might be a bit lethal it's super, it's quite sweet super and sweet, it's super yes. high in alcohol it's uh yeah yes. ice wine is dangerous you know how they make ice wine do you know how it comes? Why it's called ice wine? Is it they they freeze the grapes and yeah. then make it? Well, they let oh, the, they, they, yeah they, they let harvest the first it in the winter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's good. I'm mm-hmm. enjoying it. I'm pretty sure if whiskey was here, he'd tell you how much he made it. He has actually made ice wine. It's hilarious. Did he make it out of dandelions or grapes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how is everyone doing anyway like with all everything this is this is so fucking crazy i mean everything that's going on as bad as my american friends yeah 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 wow um actually just to kind of like start things off a bit you guys were talking about a couple weeks ago about um captain tom and how captain tom was uh I don't know. You guys, you, it was you, uh, Cognac. You sent it on the chat that we that we uh, that oh, we run yes. off of, and you put it on ch- the chat. And the headline says, uh, uh, you know, Captain Tom, hundred years old, and then it just it it, it says it says nothing else after that. I was like, oh fuck, twenty twenty is bad enough. Now we got to find out that Captain Tom's fucking dead, but he's actually not. Turns out he got knighted at the time, which was pretty sweet that was nice to hear it was a good little story we needed to hear that but uh yeah i think he's not a captain anymore i think he, they prom- even a colonel yeah they promoted him yeah and did do they you know he, yeah, yeah and also do you know he did a recording of a, of a quite a famous song here like you'll never walk alone i think it's one of the songs that liverpool likes to sing um, but he did it with quite a famous West End musical star, and it got to number one. So he raised all the money and what got a Guinness World Record for being the oldest person to have a number one hit. And got knighted. Mm. He did more in his hundredth year than I'm I've done in like the thirty two I've had. <laughs> Imagine that though. Just you do like, a war. You just kind of like go back to normal dude life. You're just kicking around, being an all around good bloke. And then you turn 100, walk some laps of your garden, it blows up, becomes massive, and you become like a national symbol. That's amazing. Yeah, That's like the one so, positive out of 2020. Yeah. He got so many cards and like well wishes that the school had them all in their school hall. And even that was filled. And all the, the kids that were there that worked for like frontline workers were, had to still go in and they were putting them all up like dominoes. But the whole hall was just filled with cards. It's crazy. Hmm. So yeah, just for listeners who don't don't know what we're talking about, like is uh, we're talking about Sir Thomas More. He's the guy who got knighted. He's the guy who uh, he completed a hundred laps of his garden before his hundredth birthday. It was a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. He also had a Spitfire and a Hurricane do a fly pass for his birthday because like he he was raising money for the NHS and I think his goal what was it, Jin? Like three thousand pounds or something? Was his yeah, original maybe- goal, but. 
it might have even been less than that. It might have even been like a thousand pounds. Yeah, and it ended um, up raising millions. Like, wasn't it? went super like, viral. Went, uh, every time I look at it, it goes up. I think it was like twenty million at one point. It might be more now. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. so in honor of that, the RAF did a fly pass with their. They still keep an active hurricane and Spitfire. The Lancaster couldn't fly that day because of mechanical issues, but uh, the the Spitfire and Hurricane did a fly pass for his birthday. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it did spark mm-hmm. some debate because some people were kicking off a bit because they were saying it shouldn't take a hundred hundred year old two laps of their garden to raise money for the NHS because the NHS isn't a charity. So people were kind of complaining and said the government's not funding the health service enough. Um, but it was going to more um, NHS like side charities to help with like the mental health of staff and that kind of thing. But yeah, it did cause a bit of controversy here because they're saying you shouldn't have to have a hundred year old. <laughs> and then, then people kept saying, oh, I have to put my uh, granddad to work in the garden, be like, run up those stairs or do this, do that. But yeah, it shouldn't be at a point where your health service needs a hundred year olds to raise money for you, really. It's not something you normally That's would crazy. think of as like charitable donations, you know. Well, it's funny you bring up controversy because apparently the, the leadership in your country is riddled with it lately. Oh, you wanted to talk about the, Mr. Cummings? I mean, I wouldn't be throwing stones in glass houses there. Uh, this Rock. is true. This is so true. <laughs> Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't you, that funny that that that's like an afterthought afterthought I found I sound like I'm from Birmingham. Um, it sounds like uh, it's like an afterthought with everything that's been going on like lately, especially in the states and and now stuff that we're seeing in in Canada as well. But holy shit, go ahead uh, there, Jen. So. There's a special advisor to the Prime Minister, so Boris Johnson's special advisor called Dominic Cummings. And lots mm-hmm. of people don't like him because they think that he's the person that caused Brexit. He was the kind of mastermind behind the Leave the EU campaign. Um Power anyway, behind the throne. Yes. And lots of people think that he's the, like the person that has all the power because he's puppeting <coughs> Boris Johnson. Whether or not that's true or not, I don't know, but Boris Johnson definitely seemingly does not want to lose Dominic Cummings. Anyway, it came out in the papers about a week and a half ago that Dominic Cummings had broken lockdown, which is pretty bad considering he was one of the sort of men behind the lockdown. Anyway, so it transpires that he drove from, no, so he was at work and then got the call to say his wife was ill and possibly had COVID. So then they drive, drove a three-hour drive up to somewhere called Durham to his parents' sort of estate and where they have a second cottage on their big estate where he, with his wife, decided that's where they were going to stay while they were ill. So that's bad because they had specifically told people you weren't allowed to go to your second home. And one of the health um, advisors in Scotland had done something similar and had to resign. So a few people had broken lockdown that were in public public fly done the same and had to resign anyway not only did he do that he also drove to a castle which was 30 minutes away from his house and back again and i'll fast forward to when this news broke weirdly he did a public statement that was on the news and special advisors never do that because they're like 
you know, not seen at all. He did this weird press conference where he read out all of the reasons why he did what he did. And the reason why he said he went to the castle was to test his eyesight to see if he could drive. But he went with his wife and kid in the car. It was just... Whilst driving? Yeah. So he drove for 30 minutes away from his house with his wife and a kid in his car to test his eyesight because his eyesight had been poor because of the coronavirus and he was ill. So it was just mad. Like I could see it if he was in the passenger seat and it's like, do you see the castle yet? What castle? All right. Yeah. You probably shouldn't drive. But like he was actually driving himself Yeah, with his kid in the car. Yeah, and his wife, and he was seen by a member of the public um, walking around the woods. So he said that it was because his kids needed the toilet. But then so many people were just like, well, basically it's really awkward because of the social distancing. Journalists were allowed to come and ask questions, and they were in the garden of Downing Street, which is the Prime Minister's residence. And they were journalists were coming up one by one to this microphone and just like slamming him. It was like another one, another one, just asking him questions of like, why, why did you do this? And they were like, well anyone knows if you've got a four-year-old they're not going to be able to make a journey from london to durham which is three hours without a toilet stop but then you're saying that they needed a toilet stop for a 30 minute drive it's just it's just crazy anyway i think well they went to basically on a nice walk i think um (laughs) well that's what everyone suspects but no he said it was to test his eyesight but anyway people i think everyone was calling for him to resign and this statement was done three days after the news broke. And I think they just thought it was going to go away, but it didn't. And it was in the news every day for like a week and a half. And everyone was calling for him to resign. And he didn't resign. And Boris didn't fire him. So everyone was kicking off. It's, and it's, no uh, apology either, right? No, he didn't really apologize. He didn't seem very... <laughs> if the messes don't understand... I yeah. mean, he's not very charming. Um, but I, f- I feel bad in a way because because of the whole Brexit thing, so many people hate him anyway. So they were going, they were really going for him, regardless of what he said. He was going to um, get hosed either way. Yeah, but it was just mm. so bad because he <clears throat> basically was justifying what he did and said that it was within the law. But then that basically the journalists were saying, so you're either saying, you're either lying and saying you didn't break the law when you did, or you're telling the British public that they're idiots and they don't understand the rules, or you're basically saying that your campaign to explain the lockdown rules was that poor that the British public didn't understand. Um, Because there's so many cases where people just haven't seen their loved ones for months and months and months, but he just drove up to his parents' estate but what's even more funny, which I don't think you guys know, is this week it's been back in the press because they found out that they might not be planning permission for the second house on that property. So he went to stay in a second cottage that was on his family's like estate and they don't think that there's planning permission for it. So it's which, been illegally constructed? That's what they think, yeah. Or so it doesn't exist? illegally constructed probably if you don't have planning permission so oh, it's back in the press again so that's not ideal. mr johnson is like oh it's not ideal but i think in a way they're lucky with what's happening with the black lives matter um movement because it has distracted 
the press away. I mean, the press are fickle. They'll go with whatever story. Yeah. And this week, I think if it hadn't been for that and the Madeleine McCann story, I think he'd have just continuously been under fire in the newspapers. And there's mm-hmm. a really right-wing newspaper called the Daily Mail. And even they were slacing him, which I was shocked. <laughs> now, I'm not as fickle as the press, so I want to stay on this for just a moment. Can you imagine being in poor Mr. Johnson? She had never thought that, that's never... A statement I thought I would say, but poor Mr. Johnson poor here. Poor like, Mr. Johnson. Could you just please stop fucking up for 30 minutes? Like, please mm. just get, don't go in front of a camera ever again and check all your properties and make sure your bloody paperwork's in order. Like, we do not need this right now. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, before that, you, you few, sent that off there, Cognac. Uh, you sent that off, that Jonathan Pye uh, yes. rant. The the let out of lockdown to do a report about Dominic Cummings debacle, JonathanPie.com. I didn't know that this guy was actually I thought he was just like a, it was like a candid um, interview or a candid camera kind of thing where he was an actual reporter doing rants about this. No, it's kind of like and, a John uh, that was style, that was back like in the day Canadian. in 2016 when Trump got elected. But mm. um, but uh, and and I thought well, he's making good points, but it turns out he's just like he's an actor. He's a, he's doing a caricature. Well, he's like, of, he's, yeah, he's like a John Oliver style kind of like comedian. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. He's pretty good. I'm watching him <laughs> shake his fist at the screen right now. <laughs> Give the middle finger like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't just lose. I didn't think the Brits really did the middle finger. I thought they were all more about the like. No, we do both. Yeah. Oh, is it that? Okay. I thought. Oh, okay. Anyway, do you you Canadians? You know the reason behind that? Yeah, the fingers of Agincourt, because a lot the French would capture English longbowmen and cut their fingers off. So anytime that they would hold up their two fingers, because they yeah. Really? That's yeah. cool. So that so two fingers up facing would be the peace sign, but the reverse is what we're talking about. Is the is kind of rude here as well. Interesting. Kind of like yeah. That's cool. I thought you guys still did like I bite my thumb at you kind of thing, like Shakespeare. Bite my thumb at these. No, <laughs> not really. But I think the two fingers thing is quite funny because obviously lots of people would count and they do like their thumb. There's, they do like two, but the reverse of a peace sign, that's how they count. They go like one, two. Um, mm. And obviously, whenever British people see that, we get turned into little kids and we just start like chuckling. Like, <laughs> oh, so just for listeners, because we, we're an audio podcast as well. <laughs> as opposed to all those popular video podcasts that exist. Basically, you're, you know, you know, you traditionally do the peace sign, but you're holding up your index finger and your middle finger, but you're facing it, uh, you're kind of facing it away from the. The person that's that's supposed to be an insult, kind of like what, when you're Jeeper giving the middle finger. Yeah, yeah. Peaky blinders, I'm sure it's in there too. It's easier to yeah. do that. It's easier to put your two fingers up than your middle finger, I think, though. Yeah, but this is just such a reflex for us now that it's. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you've ever driven on a highway in Quebec, you're quite used to just throwing that one finger up. So. Well, I can imagine. I can imagine that one finger, like even though it may require more muscle to, <laughs> to get that that middle finger up, it's so much more satisfying because you put in the effort. <laughs> okay, important point to note though, and I know this is like taking advantage of our video medium that we have here. Uh, Rocks, are you a thumb out or thumb in middle finger See, giver? 
pre-Dane Cook, I was thumb in. Post-Dane Cook, I'm kind of like this now. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> do that, too. This is easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thumb in strains. You can feel the strain in your wrist, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, you got to, like, that's that's so much more effort. And I just talked about how much effort it requires. <laughs> I think you two just like doing... You should start doing the British two fingers. We're really confusing oh, I do. people I in do. Canada. Really confuse everyone. I do sometimes if I'm like if I'm trying if someone's really been annoying me at a bar all night and like you know the heated words are spoken and they're about to walk off. I'll give them one of those and they don't they don't see the bird so it doesn't like. I mean the problem in Quebec is if like an altercation is beginning at a bar, you've got approximately ninety five minutes worth of increased volume yelling before like the shoving starts and then it never escalates past there so you never actually 95 like, minutes oh man they just talk it's all talk it's a, have you ever met a french person mm-hmm. it's just and, oh, and there's never like any like you. there's never any payoff <laughs> <laughs> so you end up having to look like the lesser man because you get bored and wander off or your drink's empty and you've got to go get a new one <laughs> uh, that's good I mean, so, I mean, the alternative is like the Glasgow kiss right after two seconds of talking to somebody. So, you know, a happy medium kiss? is probably just get head. Oh, you ever been to Glasgow? Oh, okay. I've never heard of it called that. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. I, I've heard of the headbutting is actually quite inefficient and it does more damage to you than it does to your opponent. If you do it wrong, if you do it right, it's quite efficient. Because you're supposed to like drive your your forehead kind of like you're supposed oh, yeah. to drive it in as opposed to so many people who just like do the they yeah but they if you're really bad, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we're ta- I don't know how or why we're talking about headbutting shit. but it's probably a good segue into either. protesting because I have a question because yeah. I've got I've got an, another Canadian friend here and I've got a British amiga why is it and 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 I'm not trying to don't get me wrong in any way shape or form i'm not trying to denigrate the cause but what i have a hard time understanding is these giant protest rallies in toronto vancouver london uh, paris wherever all around the world for something that's uniquely affecting the united states so and, and, and there's I just get, I get racism everywhere, Cognac. You don't understand, I get, I get, man. I get that. I get that. I get raise awareness and all this. But all you're doing in these countries is increasing the risk. And, and I'm talking about it uniquely in today's terms. Any other time, fine. But all you're doing right now is increasing the risk of COVID transmission, increase, increase risk of damage to businesses or to police or to Uh, bystanders imagine being the poor cops in toronto or london that have to go out on the street and control this mob maybe exposing themselves to covid19 for something that's not even relevant in their country and they had like this protest will have no effect we'll have we all know the current administration in the united states mr trump does not give a single solitary shit about people protesting in london or toronto or vancouver about what goes on in his country it will have absolutely no effect Definitely. I think, but puts people at risk. I know. I think the the thing the thought though here is that it is an issue here. I mean, even with COVID, we've seen in the UK that people from Black, Asian, ethnic minority backgrounds have a higher chance of dying from COVID. They're likely to be more affected in terms of loss of income from COVID. Um, and yeah, I think I think the sentiment is is that it is an issue here. Um, which is why I think people are sort of protesting, not not just in solidarity, but also 
to like showcase the the injustices that are in the UK. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 I'm not I'm not trying to take away the fact that it is an issue here as well, but I think that it would have been more prescient for people to get together that cogent message in their protest. Um, I'm trying to remember where it was that people, it was a city in the U S but people were protesting, but at like the two meters distance and well, six feet, cause they don't know what a meter is, but at the six feet distance and everything. Um, and it didn't really degenerate from there. Um, I'm not going to pretend that the protests in London or Toronto escalated to the scale of some of the ones in the U S but, um, the, just the pandemic risk impact on all these people gathering in the streets over an event that happened in the United States is a little bit. No, no I, I'm like, I, I'm of the, I'm of a similar mind, Cognac. Like I've been thinking about it. It's just like, why are we doing this, man? Like, what is the, what's like, the end goal? What's the end ex- state? What are they going to do? Like, exactly. There is no, there is no end goal to this. Like, there's no, they're not going to accomplish anything because we already have human rights laws. We already have laws in place that. Yes. Okay. And it doesn't work here and it doesn't work in Britain and doesn't work anywhere. We, we are, we are three incredibly pale people and the sun is not our ally. Right. Um, <laughs> we cannot possibly um, understand the difficulties of these communities, even in right. Canada. I was reading a news story about a man in Regina. He's a, he's a teacher in Regina, 27-year-old teacher in Regina, has been pulled over 16 times in the last four years and um, had actually a video posted on social media of him going into his own car to get stuff to go for a bike ride. And on his like community Facebook page, the community that he lives in, posted a video of him saying, you know, people are stealing from your cars right now. Look out. Um, this is, you know, the, uh, the inherent bias and the racial bias does exist here the same way it exists anywhere else. All I'm saying is that if I was, I'm loath to understand how the, I am all about hundred percent, all about peaceful protest. hundred percent. It's one of the, it's one of the biggest rights we have in democratic societies, but I'm loath to understand the benefit of doing said peaceful protest in the current climate of COVID hazard and danger to our countries. No, I'm not. I had to wait for 60 minutes to get into Best Buy today because they only let 30 people in at a time and you have to spend all your time spread out. But I can go to a rally of 9,500 people in Toronto. You, do, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's Yeah, just, no, I get it. I get I'm, it. I'm uniquely referring to right now during the pandemic. If this had happened last year, pre-pandemic, 100 percent. Yes. Raise awareness in the streets do whatever you feel that you need to do. That is your right as a citizen of a liberal Western democracy. And I see what you're saying. And one I support a hundred percent. No, that makes sense. And this is, these are conversations that I've been having lately as well. Um, and there's an interesting, uh, there's an interesting video on Facebook. I can't remember the name of the guy who does it. I'll look it up um, when you guys are talking, but it, uh, the, the kind of the thesis of his argument is, when did flatten the curve become find a cure? Right. So yeah, the about, like, about three weeks after everyone got bored. Yeah. Right. And realized so, they didn't like, like we've actually done a really great job of actually flattening the curve. I would say uh, in Canada, it's not not you, you know it's it's it that's up for debate. That's it that is up for debate because comparatively to the states, absolutely we have, and that's an easy we that's an easy win. 
our deaths are per capita on par with the United States. Oh, really? Our numbers oh, look great because there's so goddamn few of us. But our okay. deaths are per capita on par with the U.S., which is one of the worst places. So that's when that's when you know at face value the numbers look good because there's so few of us. Because people people aren't necessarily educated on it like that, which is okay. You make a very good argument. But when you compare it to a country like Australia or other nations like say South Korea who have done phenomenal jobs apparently South Korea did, the but curve. it was extremely authoritarian more than we would ever accept here i think the model that not, you should not take, North Korea, uh, i think South the Korea. no 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 south korea was extremely authoritarian in the way they and the yes, way they conduct their business but i think the model we should all be taking as like the country that dealt with this probably the best uh, is new zealand uh, New Zealand, Norway, and Denmark all did very well. Coincidentally, all three have female uh, prime ministers or presidents, depending on their constitution. I don't know if that has anything to do about it, but those three countries did very well. Sweden, not so much. Sweden tried a bunch of freedomy, Swedishy, hurdy dirty experiments, and it didn't go well. So, um, but yeah, I think if you're looking for like the 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 country to to emulate New Zealand. Understanding, of course, very small population, very spread out, isolated island, very easy to control, um, you know, a bit like Britain should have been. Yeah, but you also, it's really hard to judge country by country because everyone's demographics are different. Yeah. Everyone had, the different countries had exposure to COVID at different times as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, it is really hard to well. Yeah, it is really hard to sort of judge country by country. And still, we're not out of it. So there's nothing to say that people are going to have second waves and that sort of thing. Um, like South Korea started having second uh, second wave, their transmission rate went back up. So, yeah, it's really hard. Oh, I think. Did it. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, it was always going to. They kind of, South Korea went back to business. Like they reopened everything, like clubs and bars and everything. And then it shot back up. Of course it did. I mean, Let's be honest, Mr. Trudeau, for all his 21-second pauses, and have you mm. seen that video, Jin? Did I send you guys that? His interview where he's asked about uh, what he thinks about Trump's statements and everything going on in the U.S., and he literally says nothing. He opens his mouth twice, but says nothing for 21 seconds. It's It is big news around here it's for a while. extremely awkward and hard to watch. Um but see i i watch a video like that okay so do you know do you, are you kind of aware what we're talking about jen prime minister was asked a question about um about the goings-on in the states and what trump has decided to do um and so when he was asked that question what do you like what was the actual question he was asked do you remember yeah uh i'm actually sending the video to jen right now um okay. It's um, he was basically asked because Trump had said um, about if, you know, I'm recommending strongly to state governors to employ the National Guard. If they don't want to do that, I will send in the U.S. Army and quickly resolve the problem for them. Yeah. Um, which is problematic. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he was essentially asked. And this is this is where I'm going with this. It was hard to watch, and it was it was. Um, hang on, I'm sorry, I, I, I'm a bit distracted right now because I'm just sending this to Jin. Um, was this where he he basically it sounded like he was going to war with his own people? Yes, that's what Trump sounded mm -hmm. like, and then yeah. and, 
and Mr. Trudeau was asked to comment. I've just sent the video in the 320 Club chat, so you can grab it there. Um, he pauses, and it it's awkward. Um, it's awkward. He's come under fire for not um, not more thoroughly condemning the acts of the U.S. by, of course, by opposition governments, because naturally. Um, I want to point out, as someone who's not necessarily always a fan of Mr. Trudeau's decisions or, or demeanor or things he says, um, he was put in an incredibly awkward position in that. Um, at the one hand, you've got to continue to negotiate border closures with your largest economic partner, who you know is touchy to any form of criticism. And on the other hand, stand up for what's right. Um, I just wish, as as cringy as that is to watch on TV, I wish more politicians took 21 seconds to think about an answer instead of just spouting some BS party line. Like, you know. Do you think he was actually put in that position, like, uh, spontaneously, as if it was a truly candid moment? Or do you think... Um, perhaps that was a little bit more calculated. Like he knew that question was coming and he, he did that pause that deliberately. There's no way that there's no way he didn't know the question was coming. Uh, our liberal party has come under fire for very selectively allowing journalists to ask questions. Right. Um, and they've come under fire for that repeatedly and it's only gotten worse during the pandemic. Um, I think what took him off guard was the way the question was asked. Interesting. There's no possible way. The guy's not an idiot. There's no possible way that he would think he was not going to have a question about it. I'm just kidding. The amount of work that goes into these briefing packs, you'll have civil servants thinking of every possible question you could possibly get asked and pre-writing lines for them in packs and stuff. So, but yeah, it's, I did, I just watched it and it's, yeah, it's quite interesting. But I think it'd be nice if uh, Trump and uh, Mr. Johnson actually paused to think what they were saying, wouldn't it? It'd be nice. But talking I mean. about you, I don't, saying, I'm not a huge fan of Mr. Trudeau, but I just wish more people would stop and think about their bloody answers before they say something. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think you're right. I, th- I think you're right. Um, see, I'm trying to sympathize at the same time, right? Like, I'm trying to understand what's going on through his head. So, like, pretending I'm the prime minister for two seconds and just saying, okay, I know for a fact that this asshat down south has actually declared Canada uh, a, what do you call it, a threat to American security at one point? That's, okay, that, we're going to, we'll... It's a flippant and not, it's not a genuine comment, and it's not an actual... It's not something that's going to be, it's just just one of those shitty things that Trump says. I get it. No, no, it wasn't. It was, it was, it was a misconstrued. Okay. It was a misunderstood comment where the briefing that he got on NAFTA was that Canada completely dominating the steel industry to the point that the United States does not make steel anymore because they can get it from Canada under NAFTA is a threat to national security because in time of crisis, they will no longer have the infrastructure or ability in place to produce the steel they require to prosecute a war. That was the national security threat. It's the argument for some nationalization of all critical infrastructure in any country. The same thing we deal with with pipelines and stuff like that. Trump also then heard something about the War of 1812, probably a joke somebody made, and kind of mashed those two together in his um, you know, a curry of ignorance and spouted it forth onto the news, which made no sense. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I think about that, and then I think about, well, if I got to be very careful what I say here, because if I say something that's inflammatory and completely denounces him, he's already demonstrated that he's willing to go after his own country. What's to stop him from coming after us? I, I don't I don't necessarily think he would think of like a, a military invasion, but he's certainly dealing with his negotiations about the border, which Trump isn't happy about that we're keeping closed. Um, mm-hmm. Economic negotiations, further things. Remember, all he said one time was something about like I won't let Mr. Trump push us around at the G7 once uh, once he had left, uh, and Trump lost his bloody mind when we were renegotiating NAFTA. Right. Lost mm. his mind, tore the whole agreement up that poor Christia Freeland <clears throat> had spent so much time working on. Mm. You're dealing with a loose cannon in the White House. Mm, and I, I think, think everybody of, knows it. Who's actually being tested for once. Like everything else, you could argue the Iran affair that was happening at the beginning of the year um, and in at the very tail end of last year, you could argue that, you know, that might have been a test for a president kind of in the background that nobody was paying attention to until they decided to pay attention to it. Um, but like everything that's been going on since it seems to like COVID and now this uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and and George Floyd, um, like everything, it's it's a true, it's an actual test of a of a presidential, and it's hard uh, to of a presidency. Out, and everyone has time to check. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jane. Um, and he's failed. He's failed in every every turn. Like it's just, I can't. I, I don't know. I, like, how do you fuck that up? <laughs> I want to know how the police fuck it up because like every mayor of any any of these hotspots right now have been like, all right, guys, no like excessive violence for the next 72, 72 hours. We need to let this blow over. Just control the crowds. Make sure the p- pandemic doesn't spread too much and don't shove 75 year old men to the ground. Don't shoot unarmed black people like just keep it cool. And like unanimously, the police departments across the United States have been like absolutely fucking not like yeah. war crime after war crime. You know? <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. But you have to think about it. like, say if you're like a group of lads and you go on a night out, everyone's group of friends has that one liability lad that's mm. had a drink and will just go for it. I see the police are the same way. There's always that one liability that when the adrenaline comes in, it's the liability lad of the group. But that's you know that's what that's supposed to be screened for, and and I will accept that the liability. I lad. love that. The liability I like that. Lad. Yeah. I, I do love that because we all know who it is. Yeah, it's me. We're thinking, you and I are thinking of the exact same person right now. It's me. Uh, <laughs> or it's you. <laughs> but the liability lad hasn't been. Okay, so um, I don't know if you watched the two uh, the two things I sent from John Oliver. So just for the listeners, I sent two videos from John Oliver. One was from six years ago talking about yeah. the militarization of police following the Ferguson, Missouri shooting. And one was from three years ago following a rash of shootings uh, of black Americans, including a 12 year old boy uh, talking about the lack of police accountability. And they were using a, a phrase over and over, a few bad apples, a few bad apples. But the point in that video, and I'm not going to pretend to have come up with this point on my own, but it is it is cogent. It makes sense is that's not fucking good enough. Like a few bad apples and in, 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 in a fucking Christian vernacular, man, in an organization that is supposed to uphold law and order, gain public trust, 
and have a monopoly, at least within the country, on lethal force, a few bad apples is not good enough. Um, I It drives me nuts. It drives me up the wall. This is one of my pet peeves. When I see when I'm on the highway kicking along and I see an OPP, uh, Ontario Provincial Police or Sarathe Quebec or literally any police vehicle speeding, doing 20 over like everybody does. But you're the bloody cops and you'll give people tickets for that if if you so choose. So if you're in a marked police vehicle and you don't have the integrity to do the goddamn speed limit, that's wrong. That's 100 percent wrong. And um, then you pull it's It's only wrong if you pull somebody over, which they will. Does that happen? They oh, actually speed I, all the oh, time, yeah, speed all, all the time, all the time. No. And I get why here it's like culturally everybody knows as long as you set your speedometer at 118 kilometers an hour, you're never going to get pulled over. Um, but the fact is, these are the cops that are supposed to be, you know, not above the law, but enforcing the law. Just the fact that, you know, my dad was a cop growing up and just the fact that the one or two times he got pulled over speeding as he starts to get his stuff out of his wallet, the cop sees the badge, tells him, you know, have a good day, carry on. Like even that, I get why it happens. I completely understand why it happens, but that's not okay. You know what I mean? These people should be held to a higher standard. They really should. They really should. Like that was going to be one of my points, this whole thing. Britain, you guys are pretty good, your policing model. Like, there's no such thing as, um, in Canada, I don't know about in Britain, I'm pretty sure, but uh, in Canada, like, um, only very few municipal police deport- departments are allowed to have a SWAT equivalent, like a, like a tactical team. Toronto Metro, I think Montreal PD has one, and I think that might be it. Other it's like than that, decided it, upon based on population demographics. Uh, it's it, it it's actually special dispensation because the jurisdiction for any tactical team in Canada belongs to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, who okay. many 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 years ago authorized the Ontario Provincial Police in South Quebec to do theirs. And mm. then a few years ago, OPP allowed Toronto Metro and South Quebec. Well, actually, sorry, the RCMP allowed via OPP them to establish their own. But there's a huge amount of budget oversight on what you what police departments can and cannot purchase and can and cannot equip themselves with in this country. And I'm entirely certain, uh, Jen, it's the same in, in Britain, mm-hmm. considering like most of your cops don't carry guns and stuff like that. I think you're muted, Jen. It's hard like, in the UK because our police you get taught growing up like are friendly and i know that's not gonna be the case for everyone because as we've seen people are protesting and people do have issues with the police and there have been incidents and stuff but growing up you get taught like if you need directions or you need this or that you go to speak to a police policeman or woman and we have kind of a most people i would say here have a different relationship in that I don't know if you go to, for example, outside Westminster, you can talk to the policeman and they'll take pictures and stuff with you in a kind of really relaxed way. But if you go to other European countries, they hate the police and they're terrified of them. So I find it quite hard to speak on it because I don't know, like I see the police in a different way as an authority figure that than I think people in other countries do. It but, probably helps that you're white, but yeah. That's my my experience. That's a huge point, but it's also the community policing model in Britain. I remember being on the sauce mm. in Manchester one night, and and I kind of stumbled past two bobbies, 
And all they said was nice pocket square. <laughs> but that to me, that's community policing, right? Like that's the way that's why community police you should be seen. Uh you should be seen and like outside of your fucking vehicle. You know? Well, like when we were kids, we were told, remember, we had to memorize our phone numbers and our addresses. And if yeah. you're ever in trouble. If you see a police officer, go up to them and tell them, this is my address and this is my phone number. Yeah. And I don't know where I am. And they will drive you home. Hell, I got a ride one time. It was okay. So walking back to university, it was bloody miserable, like minus 28, snowing sideways, walking back to university. I had about two kilometers left to go. And this cop car pulls up beside me as I'm walking, just alone, freezing, doing my thing. And he rolls down his window. He's like, "Where are you going?" I was like, "Oh, back to you know, back to the school." He's like, "Oh, hop in, right? Like, I'll I'll, I'll drive you there. It's fucking freezing out, you know." Yeah. And I had been drinking, and I was technically publicly intoxicated, but he could see I was no real threat. What he was doing was taking care of public safety. Like, you yeah. probably shouldn't be out here in this freezing fucking weather. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, that's that's the way to, to do it. School. Yeah, my granddad, my granddad was uh, he was he was an, a police officer in uh, Durham region, I believe if I got that correct. And he was telling me he used to tell me stories just like the way the cops are uh, now. It's it's totally different from what we used to be. He was saying, like, we used to carry billy clubs on us. And uh, and but we you know, you only use them if you ever really needed to. Like there would be one guy we get a call. There, there was this. Uh, There's this one, one fella who was sitting in his, his backyard. He was kind of walking around talking to himself, and I guess his neighbor called, called the police on him. And you know, t- in today's age, how do you think that would play out in today's age? Ooh. You think he he'd be like, you'd have a couple of cops saying, "Hey, what's going on, buddy?" No, like back in the day, he just went up, knocked on the door. Own, yeah. he, he went on his own. Uh, and okay, so this is my granddad. He's got he he's like a six foot five tall, uh, former rugby player. Like he could handle himself, right? And so he he'd just go and knock on the guy's door on his front door. He wouldn't go and uh, and just like directly go into his backyard without you know permission from the landowner. He w- would knock on his door, say like, hey man, listen, you know we've got we got a couple of calls. Uh, what's going on? And then all of a sudden he starts having a conversation with this guy. The dude invites him into his house, invites him into his backyard, and explains the whole situation. He's walking past firearms he doesn't know that are potentially either uh, they could not, they may not be registered to this guy. You know, he's got all this stuff going on, and uh, and, but it's just like, you know, what is this guy really a threat? He 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 spent more time reading the person. Mm-hmm. As a cop, reading the person is like, is this guy an actual threat right now? And and do I deem him to be a threat? And if he and if he isn't, then I'm just gonna have a conversation and then walk my way out onto something else that's more important. My old man tells similar stories about being on patrol with young guys and like stopping the car and going and knocking on a door, um, you know, to get the the missus or or the guy that owns the house outside just because the. You know the lights of the car, like the 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 your headlights are on in your driveway. So like he he would stop, get out in the rain, go knock on the door, and be like, "Hey, your headlights are on. Your car's gonna be dead in the morning." And they go, like, oh, "Thank you." And they go and you know turn the lights off and go back to the yeah. car. And the young guys be like, "Why are you wasting your time doing that?" And he's like, "We protect and serve." Yeah, like, that that's the service part. <laughs> like that. 
Like that's yeah, the thing. That's People forget what those thing words actually And my mean. uncle being a Mountie, he says that stuff like that paid dividends. You got to remember, and this is this is a bit true for for these old stories like your grandfather too. You got to remember that communities were much smaller and more intimate back in the day, so you generally tended to know everybody far, anyway. Far less diverse. Um, extremely less diverse yeah but yes. he generally tended to know everyone anyway my uncle was a mountie with two other mounties in a tiny tiny town in burden yeah. burden manitoba lived there for 25 years retired there in the end because he became such a staple of the community but that's how um sir robert peel peel regional police's uh, you know founding father and the and the father of policing in canada and to an extent in in britain uh, and australia um, that was his community policing model that he foresaw. The cops that live in the town, they know everybody, so they can have a general idea. The Americans have a bit of a corrupted version of that with the, the sheriffs being elected and then appointing all their deputies are like their cousins and stuff. And then they can go mm-hmm. fuck up the, the family that they never liked to begin with. But yeah. um, anyway. Let's but that, 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 so let's I just want to clarify a point that I mentioned earlier about like how communities used to be far, far less diverse. I'm not trying to say that, you know, it was minorities who came in and fucked things up for for communities like it's just statistically relevant Stellar to know, by the way, because we were all just like, yeah, obviously. But like, yeah, it's not the minorities yeah. that cause the problems. That's, no, that's all. like I want I want that to be very clear. Like, that's not what we're trying to say. What we're trying to say is that statistically, when you have different groups of people getting together who come from different ethnic ba- backgrounds, it's just it's going to happen. If it was predominantly uh, if it was a predominantly black culture, if you introduce suddenly introduce white people into the into the mix, it, they and they're the min- minorities, it would be the same shit. Like there's going to be culture clash and there's going to be things that are going to create. It's just going to create problems. You're going to see things like crime. You're going to see things like um you know any kind of domestic violence of of the sort i think, I think you're going a little bit like a little bit further against your point than you want to right now at the end of the day it just breeds natural um unintentional distrust yes that's it that's the great way to put it very succinct that's what i needed <laughs> that's good um yeah i mean jin lives in a country where they were the first western country to build a mosque uh, in the Victorian age, actually, in Woking, uh, in London, uh, for the yeah, I think, but I think the the issue also happens when I think as we've gone through time, people move away from where they're from more, even domestically. So yeah. traditionally, you might have had everyone lived in the same village, lived and died in that village. Then you had the industrial revolutions, and people moved around more, and then slowly, 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 that grows and grows and grows. Um, and yeah, then it becomes a bit more challenging to community police because it's not the same six families in the village that have been always there. You might have someone from Liverpool or someone from Birmingham. And I think slowly that's how obviously globalization's happened. But I think it's not, yeah, it's not just sort of a a race or culture thing. I think it's just generally, I think people moving around. <laughs> but if you're well, like, if you're like a around local the industrial police revolution, chief. how else is a 12 year old supposed to find a new job in a factory, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but here's an honest question. If you're a local police chief 
and you're seeing and, and you know that like okay so you're taking over the job as a local police chief and you see all these different um uh different groups that are living within your your area let's call it your area of responsibility or whatever what do you what what do you do like they they tell you what the hot spots are to watch out for where the crime typically happens from whatever you call it handover that you get over from the predecessor but at the same time it's like okay maybe that's where things are happening but me and maybe that's where i need to focus my efforts but at the same time should i be sending my beat cops uh to just you know kind of walk around and just engage and get to know different people within within the community like is that is that a viable solution is that something that they should be doing or have they tried that and it doesn't always work i think one of the keys is diversifying your police force um if you've got you know new york police department you can't have the entire new york police department be a bunch of white guys from from manhattan like you need policing you need to people in harlem yeah, you need to diversify your police force. I mean, yeah. I think it was telling um, in the Ferguson uh, example that we mentioned earlier uh, from from six years ago that mm-hmm. when the mayor was asked about diversity of his police force, he mentioned that they had one Hispanic and three blacks, but only two now because one had quit. So as if as if to like make it sounds like yeah, we've got a pretty diverse police force. Like you yeah, fucking like want. two Asians, a Hispanic, and two and three blacks, but one recently quit. Yeah, so we only they're, have two. they're telling That's me not we've ideal. got like we've got like a couple we got a couple of black people we got like one hispanic out of a police force of like what 500 exactly you know you need <laughs> to fuck you. Your police force. i think i think it's i think it's critical that your police force represent the demographics of the area they're policing um, probably ter- yeah. along racial cultural lines along uh, gender lines as well um you know, you can't have a police force that's just all a bunch of six foot five former rugby player men, which is the way it used to be in your grandpa's day and in my dad's day yeah. um, when he started. You know, it, it, you need to diversify your police force because people aren't necessarily going to trust uh, people from outside of their community. That distrust is is deep seated and built into diversity, diversified communities. And it's unfortunate. So if you have a town, you know, um, the Birmingham police force should probably be employing a lot more Muslim police than white police, because that's the demographics of the town these days of the, of the city. You know, I, th- I think it's just important to, to try it as much as possible to um, increase recruiting into these police forces for the demographics that that town is made up for. Now, that is difficult to do overnight because you need to have that trust that these people from these communities want to join that police force and see them yeah. as a good thing. But the fact is, if, if you cannot, if you are in a majority black area and you cannot entice black people to join the police force, that is already a statement of a problem that you have, that they don't trust you and they don't see you as a viable institution. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty well put. Um, I even thought about, um, like we talked about a little bit, we kind of hinted at it about the militarization of police forces as well. And who are you talking to? Oh, he's talking to someone. <laughs> what? Who are you talking to? Uh... <laughs> you scumbag. <laughs> the idea is that 
the uh, when here's the thing when you're sitting in a car and you're driving along and and but you kinda, I, I just I just want to shake your fist at second. other people. What's I that? I want to interject for a second. Go for it. Um, Jin over here is not probably very likely to sympathize with the driving or, or even understand the driving in a car thing because if you spent any extended time in England, they're walking around everywhere or on horses, which I find awesome and hilarious. Um, like, they they just kind of like on horses. No, police well, on mean, horses. Yes, oh, the police. Okay. They don't drive around in cars because their entire country you could walk across in about a year. So yeah, like. The driving, the driving and being in your car thing is a uniquely colonial like style of policing because of the vast amount of distances we have to cover to the point that what and where I wanted to get on this is that it's common here in Canada. It's common in the United States. It's also very common in Australia, which we always forget is fucking massive. Australia is a huge place, not compared to us, but compared to like what most Europeans would think of as big. But The Aussies, the way they do things, um, nearly led to a friend of mine getting shot in the U.S. because he's he's Maori, so he doesn't have a terribly pale complexion. And he was a tourist in the United States, and he got pulled over for speeding. And um, in Australia, when you get pulled over, you get out of the car with your license and registration and you walk that back to the police. The police stay in their vehicle because it's hot and they can keep their air conditioning on and you're kind of the dickhead to begin with. And, you know, fucking this for a joke, mate, I'm not going to get out of me fucking car. So, (laughs) you know, they just, they do it that way. Well, he gets out of his car to start walking back with fishing in his pocket for his license and registration. And this American cop has him. He's like, next thing I know, I'm on me fucking face, mate, right on the pavement. Like, didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah, here, here, in, here in Canada, and especially in the States. Well, in Canada, you, you wouldn't get shot. You just get told car. to sit the fuck down. <laughs> like, you, you sit in your car. You, you, I think, yeah, you turn off the engine. You sit in your car. My old man you always taught me. Make sure your fucking over, hands yeah. are on that goddamn steering wheel. Both hands on the wheel, lights yeah. on in the car, ignition off, radio off. That's And then crazy. you just sit there. And when the cop comes to your window, you tell them, it's not a big deal in Canada because 99%. So one of the huge differences, uh, Jin, between America and Canada is our cops don't come up for a speed stop with their guns out. They absolutely do in the United States. You get pulled over in the United States, you got a pistol in your face. Like they're coming up to your car with with their gun out. Which is so fucking Which is so fucking weird. Because, and, this is, and this is what if, gets at the American problem. If you're going to point a gun at somebody, rem- you better be prepared to shoot So, so rem- remember, the, remember that point because I'm going to get there in a second. But in, in Canada, they'll just come up. But they, they, they want you to stay in the car, you know, and you tell them like, yes, sir. Uh, yep, I will get my license and registration. It's in the glove box. You reach slowly just so they feel comfortable. You got to remember these guys are in the middle of nowhere, probably with no cell reception at two in the morning. Like you're just trying to make sure he's not having an uncomfortable time either. But there's yeah. two critical factors that I think lead to more. Well, I know, I know for a fact lead to more shootings in the U S um, than in Canada. It's extremely rare for the police to use their weapons in Canada. And one major point is we know every single time it happens. Um, the Americans don't, the FBI has no real idea how many times um, there's no federal database of how many times the U S uh, police forces use their weapons. Um, which is crazy, which is, insane um I think somebody would so like one thing in the u.s is you have them. to you have those cops have no choice because of 
various other elements of American culture, but assume that the person in the car has a weapon, which is just not a thing here. That's not an assumption that any cop would ever make towards any stop they're making in Canada, unless they're executing a warrant on an armed and dangerous felon, which is a whole different thing. Um, The other thing is that this whole guns out mentality, which started for their own protection, um, breeds into American police the idea that the population is their enemy. Yeah. Right. It, it, and it leads to that militaristic kind of thing. Your your Bobby's gin kick around with no guns. I mean, there's a gun car not far and you see a lot more guns now in London than than you ever used to because of the, the unfortunate terrorist attacks and stuff. But, you know, your average cop, you know, if you're in Newcastle, I never saw a gun cop gun cop in Newcastle. They're just a bunch no. of Bobby's kicking around with their. Helmets and their yellow vests because health yeah. and safety, you know, wouldn't want to get run over. And, uh, yeah. you know, they're just kind of bumbling about, you know. Doing Does it thing. even outside of Westminster when we have one of the terrorist attacks where someone drove a car across the bridge? Yeah, um, bridge, yeah. Yeah, he's, they stabbed a policeman and he was outside mm-hmm. the House of Parliament and he had no no weapons, nothing on him. He just had his, his hat, his usual belt with his handcuffs and a truncheon. But I think that's a good thing. I mean, it's it's tragic for that officer, for that Terrible. individual officer. But I think it's a good thing that Britain hasn't changed the way you do your policing. You haven't. Uh, you haven't bar- because because what Britain, Britain's realized there's some outlying incidents that have caused this in yeah. Canada. Our customs agents at the airport, our cops, everyone has a weapon, right? Full stop. However, in Canada. If a cop draws their weapon, even if they remove it from the holster and never do anything else with it, that's a massive amount of paperwork for them to fill out. And the act of a police officer removing their weapon from their holster is an expression of intent to use deadly force. So whether or not they fire it, they're subject to the same investigation as if they did. Yeah. Um, it's just not something I understand. And there's I no mean, such thing as a cop on the force who has previously used his weapon outside of any of the what we call ERTs, but like you would think of as SWAT teams from the movies. There's there's no cop on the street in if they ever use their weapon once, that's it. They're off the street. They're riding a desk for the rest of their lives because we assume some oriented mental trauma. Like it's just mm-hmm. not a thing that happens here. There's certainly no cop out carrying a gun with 18 complaints against them. That would never happen in this country. No. And I know it would never happen in yours. Uh, wouldn't, we wouldn't allow it. No. There's a lot more oversight. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not something I understand because we, yeah, we have like police, there aren't police, but you just don't. There's obviously a few in London at certain landmarks and stuff that will be visible with the gun in their hands like this, yeah, but they're the, like the machine guns. The submachine gun, yeah. Yeah, but apart from that, but even that—that that alone, I just don't see guns at all. It's not something because we which just is, don't which really is a have gun laws here. From like, uh, if you go to, if you're in France, you know the la police de la France, like walking around with assault rifles. The polizai in uh, polizai in Germany, they're always in twos. One of whom has a submachine gun. Um, hmm. They have a very different model of policing britain has we're we're lucky us and the aussies are lucky uh for all our canadian listeners um and the kiwis um despite the fact that they have to live in the ass end of the universe um 
we're all pretty lucky because we have a British policing model. We have the three of us that Britain doesn't have a colonial policing model, which means that our RCMP, our, our Mounties, um, the Royal Australian Police and the I assume the Royal New Zealand Police. But like there, there's seven people that live there. So um, but we <laughs> we have a, a model that is built on the community policing side, despite the fact that our Mounties had the first machine gun in Canada and the first cannons and, and did all this stuff because they were also kind of the army. They were a garrison thing. The Americans, right. the Americans did their whole revolutionary bit without ever getting like modernized. So they're kind of stuck with like the really old school, super brutal, like what you see out of India where they're beating people with swatches and stuff. That's also what they learned from the Brits where they had to be a little bit more heavy handed with their, with their colonial policing. <clears throat> um, we kind of got the light side of it because I think it was too we looked cold. exactly like the the people that they were governing and it was too bloody cold for us to bother really breaking any rules so we, yeah. <laughs> they were like yeah, yeah you do you uh, or yeah. too hot in australia and i mean like you get you i mean i get why the aussies the aussie cops don't get out of their cars like that that place is a carnival of horrors of spiders hmm. and snakes and shit i wouldn't get out of my car either but um but the Americans, I mean, yeah, like you bring up a good point. Like with their cops, the way that they are even they were even the cops started. that they had formed their police force yeah. were the cops that they had trained by the British right at the outset of revolution. So they were using pretty heavy handed tactics to keep the Americans in line. Yeah. And, and then their army becomes like their, the, the, in, during the revolution, their army becomes full of fucking farmers and, and just trades people who like they they're not necessarily you know, educated. So then they be I, I don't know where I'm going sheriff. with this point. They, they, England, England has sheriffs, too. Yeah. Um, and, and well, not anymore, but they used to. They used to they run. Created, the they created the concept of the Shire Reef. Yeah, the Shire Reef, which became sheriff in American because it's easier to say, uh, yeah. less vowels and easier to spell. But the the <laughs> Americans took that, and they still to this day have elected sheriffs. Elect a guy for two to four years to be the sheriff, who then is in charge of appointing all his deputies, who then is in charge of law and order in the area. Which that is worked, crazy. That worked great in feudal England when whatever the 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 knobs on top the nobility would just like eh, whatever they you didn't say have a concept you know? like marketing yeah <laughs> or, or you know human rights yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> faster pleb you know like it worked great how, how dare you steal that half rotten lettuce <laughs> but like it it, 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 it could kill American somebody by upstate. accusing them of being a witch the Americans are operating off a 300-year-old system. Oh, fun fact, because you mentioned which, and this is just going to be a complete break in tone, but I'm going to lay out a fun fact. How many people were burned at the stake during the Salem witch trials? You're, you're going to say something mind-blowing like zero. Exactly, zero. Uh, there was like 17 people convicted. They were either hanged or imprisoned. Right. Zero people were burned at the stake at the Salem witch trials. That was a uniquely Spanish Inquisition and British thing. <laughs> okay, back on topic. Where do we go from here? <laughs> 
like what okay here's a question i have for you jen because like uh, you've actually been a little bit quiet the last little bit like what are you guys seeing and what do you guys think about what's going on in in the states in terms of like quiet it's because i'm policing I'll, I'll be honest i'm not very knowledgeable and i don't know if that's because i haven't ever encountered them <laughs> i know my my, my uncle was a policeman but i just think we have just a very different police force it makes me hard quite hard to understand like the american system of beyond what we see in movies like i don't know they could be donut eating people from the simpsons like that's that you know i, I wouldn't know what you see is what you get in the movies there's, most times. Yeah. there's the a lot of that no csi investigators would carry guns because they're not actually cops yeah. they're like science nerds that's the only real yeah. thing unrealistic that's yeah it, it is the most unrealistic i'll be honest like this happened this week i've been so busy with work i'm normally really hot on current affairs and like keep up to date i haven't actually been keeping up to date with like all of the ins and outs but i definitely know there is sentiment in the uk as i said earlier that people are angry in the uk about the same things in the same way that a lot of americans are about the injustices against people from black asian ethnic minority backgrounds um as i said before like you can see it with covid like people whether it's genetics or not whether it's economic oppression or not but people from those backgrounds are being affected more by covid and they've, mm-hmm. they've had calls for the government to release a report on that and a study of why that's the case and it's still not been released yet so there is definitely anger amongst those communities but i don't know, know, know whether i hear it's anger or not or solidarity i don't like everyone i think different people will have different views that are very personal to them and it's quite hard to speak for a country especially when i'm not from that demographic that's fair no that's totally i mean people are disgusted that the video is heartbreaking yeah like i I watched it and you have so many emotions like anger sadness confusion like it's, it's really hard to watch and i think a lot of people have felt the same and just felt i can't not not say something about it it's just a I few do wanna, bad I, apples. No, mm. I, 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 I do want to. I, I do want to mention some things going on in Canada right now that um, have sparked the protests. And and this is for any of the listeners that are still paying attention. Um, whilst I still stand by my um, uh, my comments earlier about uh, protesting in this country, despite another one uh, during COVID, I do want to clarify for Jin and for others some of the other. Um, issues that are going on right now so uh, famously uh, about a week ago maybe a little 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 longer ago the police were called to a high-rise apartment um, where a woman whose name uh, is Regis Korchinski Paquette uh, was present there was some orient of police altercation or parlance it's still under investigation um there's been a petition signed for 161,000 by 161,000 people for for transparency on this um please bear in mind that the siu um serious invest uh, serious incidents unit uh, serious incidents investigation unit something like that is doing their best to to do a proper investigation of what happened at the end of the day this woman this woman fell from her balcony to her death following the police this, arriving yeah. in her in her place um yeah. so that has um 
um, obviously sparked some, um, uh, this woman is, is a black woman. So this, this has obviously sparked some sympathy with the American case. And it is worth noting that, um, you know, as much as we pretend as Canadians or I don't think we actively pretend, I think we don't understand, but we pretend as Canadians that these issues are not ones that affect us. I would just like to note that in the city of Toronto, uh, sorry, uh, Toronto Police Department. So so Metro Toronto Police, which is basically just the city of Toronto for those outside of the GTA. Yes, it's a big amorphous mass, but there are multiple police departments in there. Um, yeah. Black people make up 36.5% of fatalities involving Toronto police, despite accounting for just 8.3% of the city's population between the year 2000 and 2017. So if we're... If, if we're looking at what's going on in the U.S. and pretending that that's not an issue here, we're wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And as mentioned before, uh, the three of us, um, you know, we, we don't have all the facts, but we also there. Nor do we nor can we truly understand. Did you did you watch? So so just for the listeners, I sent a, a couple um, uh, John Oliver videos, uh, as mentioned earlier, from six and three years ago, respectively, about these issues of police accountability and militarization of police uh, to the chat. And actually, rocks, if you would link the second one when this episode goes out to your Facebook page, that would be ideal. Because there's a point in there near the end, and it's 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 horrifying, but at the same time understandable that there are schools in the United States, in black areas of the United States, particularly in this case, I believe it was Detroit or it may have been Baltimore, um, where teachers are giving classes to young children. We're talking somewhere between grade two and four on how to interact with police to avoid uh, being shot or unlawfully or unnecessarily detained. The fact that that's yeah, it's become a like thing, a hashtag, like don't shoot. Yeah. The fact, the fact that that's a thing that has to happen. Um, clearly, you know, we wrong. all thought it was 2020 and, you know, and, and anybody that, you know, and we've all, We've all been guilty and complicit of sharing the jokes or sharing the memes or talking to friends being like, oh, you know, no, they're making a big deal out of nothing. Well, clearly fucking not. Clearly we're fucking not making a big deal out of nothing. Clearly there are big issues um, that far from having been resolved by 2020 um, have just been relatively ignored. I don't know what that says about us, but I don't like it. Mm, yeah. I, the way that I've been thinking about this and approaching this whole thing is that um, there's so many... We kind of go back to the whole, there's bad apples that ruin it for everyone. Like, okay, that's kind of a stupid and shitty, and and it's not a complete not thing to say. It's not It doesn't. It's not good enough. It doesn't do the argument justice. Okay. Yes, but it's also true, because there are shit eaters. There's shit eaters. There's also shitheads. There's also there's shitheads on every side here. Okay. There's shitheads amongst the cops. There are shitheads amongst peaceful protesters. Okay, who are 
uh, from between people who are showing up from out of state to do looting and all kinds of, and just stir up hell to create anarchy. There's those people there too. Okay. I'm yeah. not trying to detract from that. Okay. Okay. So no, no, but like if, I'm if not trying to detract to from the messaging, the gas mask. What's that? There, if someone shows up to a protest with a gas mask, they're a problem. I remember receiving a, yes. um, a class from a French police officer and nobody riots like the French. I mean, the heads get cut off. It, it's 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 a thing. Um, <laughs> but he was saying about how the police would target not based on um, uh, gender or ethnicity, but who showed up with a gas mask. If someone showed up with a gas mask, they would be immediately arrested. Because they know that these people are what they call the um, manifestants professionnels, like uh, professional protesters. Yeah. Like they, they just go to these things to cause shit, and they we try to. Also, they love. So it. there's people, there's people like that who will, who will intentionally try to escalate a pro, a peaceful protest beyond pe- the the peaceful point to be to where it becomes a riot. There are people in all, especially the the the, the greater the group, like the more. Uh, uh, the bigger the group, the the more people like that you're going to find. There are also cops out there who will send in cops into those peaceful pro- protests undercover to stir up shit to now create it to make it look like it's now it's unlawful. Now they can exercise might over right, right? Like there's a, there's a little bit of that too. So what I'm trying to say is that there there are shitty people on every side here, which is. It's muddying the water and it's fucking it up for the people who are actively trying to create a good, uh, a good, uh, what do you, what, what could you say, a good end result of anybody, what they actually want, that's, like for, for their demands, to... for their. Just let me finish real quick. Um, try to actually create a, a good end result that has meaning uh, in their in their. Uh, uh, in their peaceful protest, but there's also, and, and it's also fucking it up for the cops who are actually trying to serve the community. So that's the thing. But the problem is, is between the police and the civilians, you have to absolutely must, you must hold the police to a higher standard than you hold the civilians. You have to do that. And, and so that's that's the only thing that people aren't talking about. It's like, well, yeah, the the protesters, they're just looting and they're just fucking it up. And they're just, of course, I support the cops. It's like, no, 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 no. If you see cops beating and taking unnecessary physical force against the uh, against the citizens, there's a big, serious fucking problem. Like, I get it. It's, you have to you have to establish and maintain order. But there are certain ways of doing it. And you could start by fucking talking first before you start shooting people. Two cops in Buffalo, New York, famously a couple days ago, shoved a 75 year old man. He fell to the ground, cracked his head. He's in non life threatening, but serious condition in hospital. Yeah. When this came out, the mayor of Buffalo uh, suspended these two cops for doing this. 47 cops have resigned in protest of the suspension of these two officers in the city. Fuck of Fuck them. So here's what's happening. Okay. And I'm not, I, I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very careful in the way I say this because I've got a family with a law enforcement background. 
and I do believe in the enforcement of law, and I do believe in the good and often very difficult work our police officers in this country and in America and in Britain go through daily. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so please bear with me for a moment. Those 47 people, those 47 resigning, I'm doing air quotes that you can't see, police officers, are not police officers. They're fucking yeah. thugs. They were given a they're, modicum they're, they're, of, they were given a part modicum of, a of power. They were given a modicum of power, a weapon, yeah. and the ability to enforce their will over others. Police yeah. officers put others before themselves. Yeah. Right? Police officers serve and protect their community, and they take physical, personal physical risk to do that job. If you're a cop that's saying, come at me, you fucking animals, at a protest, if you're a cop that's rocking up to beat people, to shove a 75-year-old, exactly what threat is a 75-year-old man posing you? That you need to even touch him, let alone shove him to the ground. And then to rally around those individuals and resign, fuck you. You're a thug. You're a thug that's been called on being a thug and you don't like it. You're the Gestapo. You are not serving your community. I, I, I recommend for both of you, if you haven't watched it already... Do me a favor, and, and and I'm gonna check in on you in a couple of days because I all know you have 90 minutes of your time. Go on Netflix and watch a documentary called Winter on Fire. Winter on Fire is about the Maidan Revolution in Kiev uh, in 2014 uh, that basically kicked off um, the Russian invasion of Crimea and everything like that. And watch these cops uh, literally on camera um, beat people's brains out shoot at them with AKs, unarmed protesters, right? You, if you are, if you are rallying around a man or a group of men who, uh, who are allegedly police officers who have done something like this to a 75 year old unarmed man or have kneeled on the neck of Mr. Floyd and murdered him while for nine minutes, he tells you he can't breathe He's and asking for, for his, his mother. mother. Like that, you are not a police officer. You are a fucking thug piece of shit. Yeah. And I have absolutely no sympathy for you. So the here's a question. The only modicum of sympathy I can drag up is in sympathy for the good cops, which there are many of. Um, there are many, many good police officers. The sheriff of the um, the sheriff of the Genesee County, Michigan department took off his riot gear to march with protesters. This is a viral video that went viral about six days ago to march with protest. He took off all his riot gear, had all his cops take off their riot gear, except for a few that were ensuring um, the, the protection of the people and wearing his police uniform marched with the protesters. Police are supposed to de-escalate and protect people. Now, that's not to say there's not other good that's come out of the protesters as well, because you were talking about the shitty protesters who are also just fucking thugs. They're opportunists and pieces of shit that are looting and and, and causing violence and, and diluting the message of the protesters. 
that is a, that's exactly what I was looking for. And one of my favorite photos that came out of the last week of the U.S. was a was a cop in 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 um, Ground Zero, uh, the town uh, Christ. Uh, it's George Floyd's like town. Just what, what, where was George Floyd? It, real quick, where was George Floyd from? Uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, but uh, what was the town? Uh, well, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a cop in Minneapolis, a white cop that ended up separated from the rest of the cops in the in the melee of this initial protest that went incredibly sideways. But one of my favorite photos that came out of this week was of a group of about 10 black men linking arms, making a ring around him, protecting him from the crowd of other protesters. That is what protest is. You are not you are not protesting the individual who has found himself in a circumstance. You are protesting the institution that has led to these circumstances. Yeah. And I think that was I think I think. Two messages should be taken out of this. A white sheriff taking off all his gear and risking his life to walk into a crowd to walk with with marchers because he believes in what being a cop is serving and protecting his community, de-escalating and standing for justice and black protesters protecting the life of a white cop because they believe in what they're saying as well. I think so here's 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 something I want to like you're you're sparking some really interesting points. When I hear about stuff like that, that to me sounds very similar to when uh, soldiers in the First World War met together. They stopped firing at each other and and met together for coffee and cigarettes at, at Christmas. Like it's like humanity. Like little flashes of humanity found in a in a, in a, in a supremely in a shitty situation, yeah. right? So, what does that mean for me? What does that tell me? That tells me that there is something institutional that is failing at every single level. When you talk about forty-seven other cops who are protesting, like I'm using your air quotes again, oh, protesting, they're yeah. resi- resigning by protest. It's just like if it was one. Or two, I would say those are shitty officers. Okay, that's fine. That no, would be that an anomaly. That, you were speaking about earlier. What's that, that? That that tribalism you were speaking about earlier. That it is that we are always right, and if you question us, we're gonna take our ball and go home. No, then fuck you. Then that, doesn't that work means anymore. that is not just a failing at the individual level. Because if it was if it was one or two officers, I'd be like, that's an anomaly. Fuck those guys you know, apprehend them or whatever. Just let them quit. Get the fuck out of the police force and let the rest of the institution do its job the way it's supposed to do it, if that were the case. But if it's fucking 47 officers, that's a giant percentage of your precinct or whatever organization you're running. That's institutionalized. That's not going to be a huge percentage, but it's it's a it's, lot. It's large enough. It's a large enough number to be extremely concerning. Yeah, that is institutionalized tribalism. That's all that is. Like, they have- remember the thing that the Americans have that we don't have, though, gypsy cops, uh, is the incredibly, now I say it, unfortunately racist term for police that resign from one department while they're under investigation or otherwise from that department and then go 50 miles down the road and get hired by the next department because they're I've already I've never trained. heard that term before. That's interesting. But so it's quite yeah. Different. The people under investigation, there was one case uh, where a guy uh, was found 
to have his driving ability compromised. They found a half-empty bottle of rye and a bunch of pills in his police cruiser. And he said, quote, I ain't taking no drug test. I'll just resign. He then went on to work at another police department in the neighboring town, like, the next day. That's fucking crazy. That's crazy. So, um... I got to start helping out with the uh, the kids here, but we'll uh, so we'll start looking at uh, wrapping up here. But man, uh, what do you do about like an institutionalized problem like that? What do you do, Jen? <laughs> uh, we put you on the spot. <laughs> like, I like it. It has to start with training. It has to be a complete culture change. That's the first thing. But you need people with the right ideas to come in and like you're shaking your head, Cognac, because. okay. so one of the most troubling things that we see out of these protests is the signs being held up saying defund the police. That's not. And again, we're talking uniquely American here. That's not the solution. The police need more oversight on how they spend their funding. Yes. Not to buy fucking surplus military equipment because you're the eighth largest town in Maine. And for some reason, you need an anti-mine vehicle. Um, That's crazy. There's a massive cultural shift that needs to happen, as you mentioned. But I think before you can do a cultural shift, before you can stop treating your population like the enemy again a uniquely american thing and we're talking about this is non-americans this is an outside perspective so we don't oh, have all sure. the factors. i think honestly the key is true diversity in your police force truly having people from all these communities in your police force working for you um, and able that. to engage with their communities Go ahead, Jay. I might be naive, but I think it starts even before the police force. If you can have a country where kids have equal access to the same good uh, education, the same prospects in employment, no, less poverty, less strict, horrible, harsh immigration rules, I think if you can have a better community just generally, then the police are going to need it, be needed less. And then you're going to have less of them and us attitude um i think sort of like leveling up the whole population is Red line need to disappear yeah sure, because yeah. you need to solve the issues that are underlying that this is what people are sort of protesting for they're not just protesting against the police they're protesting against everything it's just their, their general treatment as a citizen if you can help level the playing field and give people the same treatment and access to opportunities and that sort of thing, then hopefully you wouldn't then have this sort of race issue with the police. And I don't know, I think it definitely stems. It's not just as simple as having more black policemen, for example. Policemen oh, Jen, you don't understand. Like that's just, that just sounds like socialist thinking. You're going to, you're going to have to start issuing government issued hugs now. And <laughs> No, but I am I am proposing I am proposing a solution that that cures a symptom and not the problem, right? The yeah. diversification of the police force will cure cure a symptom but not a problem. The problem is the way the U.S. Uh, red line red line areas where primarily black people live 
to exclude them from private investment so that their municipal taxes fund their schools less so they have underpaid and and uh, teachers and no extracurricular activities like it's a massive problem and it, well, yeah, and it we is talked about societal that societal overhaul that's required yeah. We talked about that. Like one thing I said, I don't know if you guys had a response to it. It was like, I honestly, I think they should make redlining and things like gerrymandering illegal. That should be just purely fucking illegal. The, the fact that people in positions of power can just draw fucking lines on a map to decide how they're going to acquire their power or how they're going to maintain their power. Like that seems criminal to me. That's like some backroom fucking uh illuminati bullshit you know like it's 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 people this is, this people in positions of power who have money who just decide what 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 they're going to govern like come on man this is why the illuminati myth persists because it's not entirely untrue um <laughs> rich white people in america are going to remain rich white people in america mm. the knobs are going to be the knobs you know, um, not to sound too conspiracy theorist or as you like to say, government trusting. But uh, yeah, like, I don't know it. Either way, I think we got to wrap up. There's yeah. absolutely smarter people than us have looked at this problem and they've gotten exactly uh, nowhere for a number of reasons. Uh, I Mostly think because that, of other people. Well, because unfortunately, there's no real impetus for change because you're you're trying to take power away power and money away from those who have it and those who have it have uh, entire police departments full of resigning thugs to do their bidding um it's 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 unfortunate um I, I I would want to close out with saying that I know you got to go take care of your crib midgets, they're uh, rocks, but <laughs> I would want to close out by saying that um, peaceful protest and not diluting the message is certainly the way to, is the impetus for change. Um, but we can't remember that, or sorry, we can't forget that um, peaceful protest often breeds um, head-choppy protests. Remember, the French uh, supported the American Revolution against the British because it was against the British, and that was just la mode dans le temps. But um, they uh, ended up with their own revolution on their hands and a bunch of head-choppiness to establish their own republic, which they then put an emperor in charge of with a little man named Napoleon. So I think people need to be careful in what they want. Um... I think starting small and building bigger is probably the way to do it. Um, police accountability. Here, here's what I would ask for. If I was in charge of all the protests, which I'm not, is a national American database every time a U.S. police officer in one of their almost 18,000 police departments uses their weapon. That needs to be recorded like it is in our yeah. country. Like it is in Jin's country. That yeah. needs to be recorded, known, and easily available. It needs to be a significant thing, too. It needs to be like that. That's a okay. So, when we talk about massive culture change, like I like where you're going with that. Like, go start small, incorporate small, co- small culture change, small make it so that when somebody, when a fucking cop takes out their gun, that that's actually a big deal. 
it's a culture now. change. It's recorded and it's available to everybody. And you're able to you're able to see for historical knowledge. You know, I'm able to then do a study as you know able to do as cognac the guy doing his masters in criminal justice i'm now able to see the demographics and situations and crimes accused and outcomes of any use of force uh use of lethal force uh in the united states which even mr comey the director of the fbi was not able to accurately say that's obscene to me Mm, yeah, that's crazy. I not know how many people cops shot in their country, in their own country. You remember, you know, you know, like cop dramas and movies where they talk about like it, it comes off, it comes up often in like cop dramas where the question gets asked, like, you've ever shot someone? And like it turns into like a, a little bit of a sob story or they, they talk about, you know, yeah, I've done it before. It's like I would rather I would rather the question um be more significant if it was asked like you ever pulled your gun on someone i would you know rather, like, my like father, that that be more significant than if you shot rather, somebody i would rather like my father who did 33 years as a police officer and never pulled his weapon in policing yeah my uncle yeah. who did 35 years with the royal canadian mounted police and pulled his weapon once that's and to him, that was a huge deal. It was a lot of paperwork. It was years of therapy, even though he didn't use it. Yeah. It was it was years of, of, of government mandated therapy to make sure he was OK with having gotten to the point where he might have had to use lethal force or he had expressed the intent to use lethal force. Yeah. It's a lot better than, you know, I ain't taking no drug test. And I'll go work for the neighboring police force. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I as we as we wrap up, I think uh, I think we all, um, both you know Canadians and Americans and 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 British alike, we should all just disarm. Oh, too. disarm and uh and start carrying billy clubs again <laughs> just go back to the old billy club model well they still do i didn't know That's what I didn't... this is what i was saying earlier it's hard to relate this is why i find it quite hard to like, engage in the you know discussion because the majority of our police walk around in a shirt black suit trousers and they yellow have a, a yellow vest and their hat and a billy bob their trenching club and their handcuffs. Well, they still carry belly clubs. I thought it was yeah. Kind they're of, no guns. Helmets. They wear their little helmets. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah, yeah. They're proper Bobby on the beach. And they, and they literally just walk around in pairs, whistling. Sometimes riding a horse. Sometimes walking mm. around whistling and just talking to people. I fucking yeah. love that. Like there was loads outside. Our... In my six months in England, just passing mm. by. One of them, yeah. I was. I put a cigarette in my mouth and I was struggling to find my lighter and he offered me a light and then said, please, sir, make sure to dispose of your butt in an appropriate container. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I, I work in, in central London and there was one of the big um, Commonwealth um, kind of get togethers at uh, Buckingham Palace, the Queen. And because of that, they had police on lots of different corners and stuff. It was really, really hot. And we went out on our lunch break and we just went and bought them a, box of ice creams like ice creams on stick you, you call them popsicles 
Yeah, uh, well, po- well, ice cream on a stick is ice cream on a stick. Popsicle is like frozen juice. Yeah, but we just got them those ice creams and just handed them out, and they were all just stood there up patrolling the road just with their ice creams. The last mm-hmm. two times I've been stopped at a ride program. So, so uh, Rox was uh, diatribing earlier about ride programs. Ride programs in this country are designed. They're normally around Christmas time. They're when there's a high risk of drinking and driving, and they're a special dispensation from the Supreme Court to stop and search people because in under Canadian law, stop and searching is one of the most intimate things you can do. You normally need a warrant and, and blah, 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 But they're under special dispensation from the Supreme Court because of the high risk of drinking and driving for the advent of public safety that they literally stop every vehicle that goes through these checkpoints. Just check on you real quick. You know, have you had anything to drink tonight? Yeah, I had a I had a glass of wine with dinner tonight. Okay, carry on, sir. You know, where are you going? And and it's normally quite uh, nice. The actual amount of people that have been catching it, ride stops have been decreasing recently, which led a bunch of misguided people to say that they need to tighten up their amount of breathalyzing. But the police are saying, no, it's working. People are not drinking and driving as much. Um, it, it's one of those it's one of those counterintuitive things where. Um, the better the the message gets out about the law, the less they have to enforce it. But people don't see it that way. Anyway, I normally go off because it's 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 near Christmas time here in uh, in the Great White North, and it's freezing fucking cold. And these poor assholes are out stood in the middle of the road with a cruiser. I know for hours on end, yeah, checking everybody that goes by. So I normally double back as soon as I go through the ride program and I, I count the cops and I double back and I go to the closest Tim Hortons and I buy them all a coffee, like a nice, you know, warm coffee to, to keep them warm. Um, these are still people and they're yeah. and and what they're doing, frankly, in my opinion, in 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 the ride program particularly is the perfect example of trying to increase public safety. You know, they're 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 doing something. They're they're under personal hardship to do something to increase the safety of all. So, yeah. yeah. Jen sending us pictures. It's, uh, sending us pictures of, of the same thing that we're talking about. Uh, basically, Bobby's these uh, the police officers standing on the street. They're all smiling. They're all just they're just mingling with the local population and vests. Yeah, and they're just like they look professional they're well well groomed and they're all happy they're all just you know i think they are happy the that's British what you want to see ours are ours are quite good as well you know that there was a video uh jen uh, there was a video a couple of years ago that went viral somewhere out west where uh where a mountie stopped to help uh a, a child repair the chain on his bike right and it went viral as like Oh, look at this cop, particularly across the U.S. because they didn't recognize the RCMP flashing because there's no obvious Canada flag. Like, look at this cop doing, you know, doing what he should be, protecting the community. And all of us in Canada were like, I mean, yeah, I mean, good on him. But like, I had my bike chain fixed by a cop when I was a kid. Like, that was like, yeah. like again, though, white, white yeah. kids. Like, our local, <laughs> there's, yeah. we have different types of police and we have like local community ones that are for your specific area and they'll just do little patrols and things they'll do little surgeries where you can go and get your bike stamped where they mark in the metal like a code so if your bike gets nicked then you can they'll if it gets picked up they'll know that it's yours and like that's such a more productive thing than just 
obviously like chasing people who steal stuff. We we never had that as kids because there's never been a huge problem with bike theft here because it's a massive country. But when I was a kid at school in grade four, I remember the police came and they ran a day of, of safe cycling. And it was like a day that we didn't go to any classes and we all had our bicycles. And if you didn't have a bicycle, the police brought one for you. You had to let them know beforehand. And they taught you how to cycle safely and do like traffic laws and all that like the police did that that wasn't the school mm-hmm. it was the police coming out and they had their bicycle cops in their stupid shorts and boots remember that <laughs> yeah. yeah but like as just... they were out teaching you how to cycle safely and like that's just what every almost every year we had something to do with the police they had us do uh remember like a course dark, was it inside the gym they laid out a course where you drove um they're called power wheels they're like little cars and you <laughs> drove those around and they taught you about traffic laws about like how to stop and stuff like that and, and like yeah, we had, just kind of I remember when like they that. sent a constable to our local to our uh, elementary school to talk about the the drug program. They were talking about don't it was the yeah, don't do dare. drugs program. Yeah. Was it Dart? Was it called Dart? No, Dare. 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 Dare, dare That's program. Yep, they did that every year. I remember yeah. that. Do How fucking useless that shit was. <laughs> the only thing I learned from that program was in downtown Oshawa. I there was a uh, drugs. Yeah, I learned the street names of drugs, and I learned that in downtown Oshawa, at the coffee time at Mary Street and uh, I want to say King Street, was a coffee. It's a coffee shop, and he's just like, yeah, that's a, it's a that's, hot a, spot. that's a that's a hot spot. That's where all the drugs get traded. Like we watch that every day. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit! I thought it was just a coffee time. People like, there's a lot of people standing out. They just wanted coffee. <laughs> anyway, um, I just thought of a. I just thought of the perfect name. Um, or uh, not the perfect. Well, I thought of the name for this episode, and I thought about uh, what song I'm going to incorporate. And I'm gonna I'm gonna take a British British uh, British rock band. Uh, the only good gonna, ones, yeah. The only good ones. Uh, what was it? I'm gonna do. I fought the law, and the law one I think is the right one to go with. And uh, Bob Marley, isn't it? No, 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 no. That's uh, fuck. What's the name of the group? They do rock the Casbah. Oh, the Clash. No. The Clash. That's right. The Clash. I'll go with the Clash, and I figure we'll go with a few bad apples? Question mark for our title. Ooh. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's I'll, kind of a you're gonna it's sarcastic. Couple, it's gonna be a day or two before you you get this out, so I'll let you know if I have any more ideas for a name. Okay, you do that. Sounds good. All right, uh, I'm not good at summarizing and wrapping up like whiskey is. Um, or do you want? Oh, gin should do it because anything in a British accent sounds more authoritative. Absolutely. Well, Let's do it. Say? What did we talk about? We, yeah. Sum, summarize and wrap up. <laughs> well, it's been a bit of a hodgepodge of a podcast. We've talked everything about Dominic Cummings, Captain Tom, policing, rioting, <laughs> all, of your, all of your PC po- uh, topics. But, um, Oh, I'm rubbish as well. <laughs> you can edit that. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. No, I think um, I think it was a okay, it was a okay, good okay. conversation. It's something that we've 
been kind of missing out on for a little while. Um, and just for our listeners, like we've actually been pretty quiet on social media about all this kind of stuff that's been going on lately. And I would rather this is this is the reason why, because I'd rather actually talk about it on the podcast and have kind of an engaging. Go- yes, albeit I understand we are three white people. We've got, uh, you know, we got all our own things going on. But at the same time, I think conversation is where you start to try and fix your problems before you pull a gun out and and try and negotiate that way. Mm. Go ahead, Kanye. I think. And, um, oh, Jen, carry on. As I say, as as white people, the most important thing is that we have to try and educate ourselves and do whatever you can to educate yourself and it's not always a responsibility of for example black people to educate us we have to do whatever we can to do that from our own sort of free will what you guys don't know actually is that whiskey and i recorded an episode before things started getting really heated with the black lives matter movement um and uh one of the things that like whiskey brings up some really interesting points you'll hear about it uh, and it sucks that you guys don't have the benefit of actually hearing it before uh you've recorded this episode but um one thing to keep in mind is like it's it's not it like i'm kind of tailing on to your point there jen is that it's not just about educating yourself as well it's like having a critical mind like having having critical thought for what's actually going on yes there are there are fuckheads amongst cops and yes there are fuckheads amongst protesters but like at the end of the day you got to figure out who's actually benefiting from this and what is a what is an actual practical relevant solution and how do you remain objective we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're we're summing up right now so we're not gonna we're we're terrible we're we're terrible at we're, we're not gonna get into the we're not gonna get into the China and Russia pushing false narratives piece, which is also a whole thing yeah. uh, that we can talk about at a dev- another date. Um, what I would like to say is that um, one um, sharing on your social media if you don't agree with me, then unfriend me is not helpful. Um, no. that all that does is get people to dig in their heels. And that's, that's not the, the, the basis of intellectual debate in any way, shape or form. Um, you need to be, you need to be willing to have your, your, your preconceptions challenged. Uh, and you need to be willing to talk to those who will challenge your preconceptions or your maybe recently gained knowledge. Um, you may be able to bring them around if they're wrong. You may learn something that you didn't consider if you're wrong or I mean, just in general, um, at the end of the day, what we talked about, uh, and I, and I apologize for the probably two fans of the cognac podcast. Cause I wasn't terribly funny tonight because that, <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's not, it's actually as, as normally irreverent as I am about something. This is really not something to joke about. People it's are serious. dead. It is. People are dying. Yeah. And entire, uh, populations of our, of our, uh, beautiful blue marble are under siege. Um, not just by people, but by institutions. Um, yeah. I like to joke around 
but I know when it when to take things seriously. So can I can I add to your last point there just before you wrap up there? Yeah. The one thing I heard the other day, which was it's kind of resonated with me a little bit, is that if you truly really believe in the concept of freedom of speech, like just as a concept, never mind the law, but if you truly believe in the concept of freedom of spe- speech, try arguing the point that is counter to your opinion. Yes. And it's something I actually do quite often. Uh, rocks, you know, this, I will, I will pick up uh, devil's advocate on any point, despite not agreeing with it to the point that I'm no longer able to make any sort of rational argument. And then, and then it obviously falls apart. It's the same reason why arguing with uh, government trusters or, or, or the Uber religious uh, kind of ends up going in circles because at a certain point, you're not going to change someone's opinion. But I think I think the the art of conversation, the art of intellectual debate, and the art of academic debate is more important now than ever. And if mm-hmm. if if I'm expressing an opinion um, that is counter to yours, please uh, you know uh, leave it in the comments on Facebook, I guess, because you don't know who I am, and that's grand. But I will <laughs> I will I would lovingly debate with you about why I think that um, you know. Uh, some cops resigning over some other cops uh, misconduct is, is thuggery. Um, I think this is a very important point in world history. Um, 2020 in general will be studied forever. Remember we started with almost world war three and these are just podcasts. We've talked about almost world war three. Yeah. Australia on fire. Hey buddy. Ruse can't catch a break. Mate. Then we had a fucking pandemic. Then we had murder hornets, which we never talked about because it's not really that big of a not really a thing. Uh, Jim, there's there's some yeah murder hornets. There's like hornets from somewhere outside of North America that showed up here, and they call them murder hornets because hornets from space. It's branded (laughs) Super 2020 ish. Uh, And now and now we have and now we have. And, and let's not forget this. And this is what I want to leave everyone with. Now we have protests across all 50 United States and 18 countries aimed at systemic racism. The largest civil rights movement in the history of the world. That's crazy. I never would have thought of it that way. All right. Mic drop. I mean, it's like, what next? Like, the queen gonna die or what? Like, the queen's immortal, like Betty White. The two of them will be laughing and pissing on our graves. Yeah. And you know what? Um, just to close out, we didn't even mention the fact that we are getting towards a positive thing of sending people into space for. No, this- uh, for a actually for a, a reasonable company, cost. a private company who yeah. is still unfortunately not fucking publicly traded, they should have been before they did this. Yes. But a private company launched two NASA astronauts into space and recovered their rocket, overshadowed by an explosion of another rocket the next day on a test where Elon Musk famously says, "Fail big or go home." 
that is designed to then be able to launch into Martian orbit. So Things we'll, are we'll end on there because we're actually going to be I'm going to be sitting down with Dr. Green and uh, and whiskey tomorrow night, and we're going to record about that. We're bringing our we're bringing our we're bringing Dr. Green back on because uh, he's uh, he's our local expert on on space. So uh, I'll take. That's that's the that's one we'll end. I think we'll end on there. Uh, it's been wonderful talking to you guys. I'm Rox. I'm oh, ahead. <laughs> Not all at once. <laughs> Not all at once, mate. We didn't rehearse. <laughs> I'm Cognac. I'm Jen. All right. Well, see you next week, guys. It's to a castle. I will take you. Well, what still be they say will be me? I guess the wind and sea has been sailed away, leave the day way up high in the sky. And well, when the wind won't blow, we really shouldn't go. It only goes to show that you will be mad by taking a step. Look, I know I said that I'd put the clash up, but the tone of the episode just did not seem right. Here we are talking about things that should be from our relatively safe and insulated perspectives. And then all I can think about as I'm recording and editing is Led Zeppelin's What Is and What Should Never Be. If you haven't watched The Silver Linings Playbook, I highly recommend it because they use this song to great effect. The tone of the track is almost bipolar, which is how I imagine the cultural climate of the ununited states of amnesia feels. This is something like grandfather likes, you, you, he used to say it quite a bit. He used to say Americans suffer from short-term memories. It was a long podcast. It was one of our longer ones. I'm not going to lie. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did actually editing it. Um, tough situation. <laughs> what do you do? Well, all that we can do right now is talk. And we're just going to keep talking. That's it. It's now the 15th of June as I'm recording this um, kind of outro. And uh, while the news media cycle has largely moved on, let's call it that, there are still tens of thousands of people protesting in streets. Um, And that's... That's pretty significant. That's that's not nothing, guys. Um, best we can do is talk. Just keep talking. Always keep lines of communication open. Even if it's with your enemies. Always keep lines of communication open. That's the best thing you can possibly ever do. Anyway. I won't bore you with the shameless promotion of our podcast. You've probably heard it on epi- other episodes before, and if you haven't, and this is the first, indeed, the first episode you'd have ever listened to, don't judge us by one page. We are many. Well, maybe like 50 pages. So, But uh, keep listening. We're just here to talk, guys. Enjoy. <laughs>